Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, it's Craig and I flying solo again. It's, it feels like it's been a while since we've had a guest on, Craig. Sure has. We, need to we don't some, need one. <laughs> we, need, uh, we need some requests. If you guys are sick and tired of hearing just us banter back and forth, then let us know and let us get some uh, people. By the way, uh, Craig, just as a quick note, thinking about our guest, the Scott Scott Galloway. I've been seeing him everywhere right now, especially in the context of like the GameStop and all that stuff that's going on. He uh, saw an interesting clip, and I was just very proud that he was on the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. That was such a such a baller move by you getting him on here. Yeah, thank you. He's and a great guy. I listen to it all the time. To, I was going to say I re-listened to it too because it just gives you like tentacles of ideas of things to like. Oh, maybe I should be thinking this. Maybe I should be thinking this. Um, and even like I'm having discussions, you know, on the, on the, um, on our Bulletproof network right now. And if you haven't joined it, I would encourage you to do it. Uh, just go to uh, um, bulletproof.dental and just join. It's a free networking join, but we're having conversations there about just, you know, whether it's finance or whatever, and just people, me going back and forth with just these uh, creating that awareness, I think is just such a powerful thing, whether you act on it or not, whether it's personal, professional, or whatever. But Scott was one of those great, like awareness people. Um, the way his mind thinks it's just incredible and the fact that he is such an industry expert for big tech and business in general to distill his thoughts to the micro industry of dentistry was really really powerful for us it was Uh, cool i think that's the first time he had deployed that mind of his towards dentistry but it was really interesting to go see it work and there are people you know as craig we we are kind of our last call with the masterminds our mastermind was was going over people that it was called, you know, going over Patrick, but David's book, which is the five, you know, your five next moves. And, um, and I think, I think Scott Galloway is one of those prognosticators that can really kind of look into the future and see trends from a human psychological perspective that, that, and he acts on it. And obviously he's become very wealthy because of that, because of being able to anticipate that. But it's really interesting because at the end of the day, it's not macro climates, it's really human behavior. How do humans behave? in a certain instance. And, and, um, and that's been a fun thing to unpack in our mastermind is just looking at trends and things that can happen in dentistry and things that we can look forward. And we did a lot of that in the beginning, you know, because everyone shut their pants when COVID happened, you know, you and me included. And it, was, and it was really nice to kind of like look at that in, in retrospect and in hindsight and what you think was so daunting at the time, like, holy shit, there's a lot of silver linings that have appeared because of it. And a lot of people got even waste. A lot of people in our, in our network have gotten a lot stronger because of picking their head up out of the sand and taking action versus, oh, well, let's just see what happens, right? Yeah, you never waste a good crisis, right? Well, you know, I don't know who said that. Was that, who was that, a Buffett? That's that a Buffett thing? I'm not sure, but it's just, you know, when, when things are going great, you don't really have to take inventory. There's there's mm. there's not many defining moments that anybody, even our parents have had in their career. Where it's like, oh, geez, like we're being shut down. Not that business is off, we're being closed. We were closed. Right. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I don't recall anybody having, you know, obviously the stock market crashes and business declines, but I don't think anybody, you know, that's alive today has been through an industry wide shutdown where you're right. mandated to just close your doors. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. Not my like, career, okay, I've got blank sure. dollars in the bank. And has your dad ever remembered anything? I mean, there probably hasn't no, been anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. dad never. So All right. So let's get into the topic today, which we actually curated from our, um, our bulletproof network on the forums there. Um, and it was, uh, one of our friends named Michael and I don't have permission to use the last name, so I won't, but anyway, Michael said, why don't you, uh, why don't you talk about 
why don't you talk about would it be better? And here the question is, would it be better to have a, a one $5 million office or five $1 million offices? And I thought it was a really good conversation because you and I have tiptoed around this and in things here and there, but it, using that direct question, and I think there's really no better, two better people better situated to have this conversation. And the reason I say this is because you and I have kind of equal operational ecosystems, right? Mine is meaning from a size and revenue perspective, and it's pretty equal. You know, our EBITDAs are about equal, um, employees are about equal. So pretty much the scale is about the same size, but but you have, right, you have one practice where it takes, it's taken me five to aggregate to your size, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Or if, let's call it four in this instance. Um, so, so in full disclosure, Peter, it was not only Michael that uh, added flavor to this, but I saw something on Facebook. And yeah, was, actually, you're right. I was thinking yeah. that I was thinking that as, as I was talking and saying, you know, what? I don't know if Michael's the one that got full credit. You saw it on Facebook. And I said, well, it's put- great because on, on Facebook, it was on a, one of the pages I follow. I think it's the business of dentistry. And okay. there's t- 21,000 members there and everybody's pontificating. But I was like, geez, we, we need to we need to do a podcast on this. Like who has the, the two actual real world point of view to speak on this? Mm-hmm. So the, the it was. Um, guy by the name of Praveen did it. He said, which business model is better? Five, 1 million or one, 5 million. And he says, what is one more profitable, two less stressful, three easily exitable and four the pros and cons of each model. And then let's there's unpack a lot of each one. Oh, that's beautiful. Let's unpack so, each one. So let's go right. to egg. What's the first one? So one, what is, so, so first of all, everybody's answering like, oh my God, you can't do, there's no such thing as one office that does 5 million. How do you do that? You know, <laughs> it was, it was just a whole lot of limiting beliefs. It's fine. I mean, it's uh, just silly, you silly rabbits, silly rabbits. No, but it's fine. You know, what, what do you know? Um, and then is it possible for one to even do a $5 million practice? No. So then uh, a bunch of people start, um, you know, putting up their feelings and it, it, seeming, it seemed overwhelmingly that the discourse was overwhelmingly in favor of the idea of one. But um, I, I responded um, in there because- um, Please know, do not play in other people's sandbox, only play in our sandbox. We have a great sandbox. Don't, well, it's don't okay. be adding, no, just play in our sandbox. All right, go back to the first question, but don't, okay, I don't so want to hear your response. Is which which model's better? And the first question is, what is number one more profitable? Okay, Craig, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So obviously the, the concept there is in one, you can be more profitable potentially, I think, because you have control on your scale. There's a consolidation of things, meaning that in, in your office, you don't have to duplicate services. You don't have to buy buy three, a comb, you don't have to buy a comb beam for every office. You don't have to replicate the office manager in every location. You don't have to replicate, you know, you there's economies of scale and supplies, management, all things. So I would say that that all things being equal unless you're a sophisticated operator, the probably the more profitable way to go would be yours. Single location. Single location, just because of having purview on your scope of what, right? You're, you're able to monitor, control, and not replicate um, per location. The, um, the, well, the larger fixed assets can be scaled. So a cone beam, machine can be used easily by like 
25 operatories or 30 right. operatories right. or 40 yeah, operatories. There's never a line at the, it's, at the yeah, there's never, right? there's never been a line in my cone yeah. bean. There's yeah. never been a line. You know, my iteros, I've had nice. lines from, I've had for my Itero. I've had yeah, your Iteros and, and your, uh, what are those handheld um, in the x-ray machines called? Yeah, Nomads. Nomads, yeah. Nomads, yeah. you've got a ton of those. I, was, I remember being like floored how many you had of those. It looked like it looked like an, a, an, an army. when I when Yeah, I have six office. Iteros now, by the way. So that, that's, that's interesting. That's insane. Quit humble flexing. All right. Um, so I would say on that regard, Craig, point goes to you. Okay. Point. I'm... Yeah, I have a very interesting context in the whole thing that I'm going to close with because, um, you know, okay. I, but let's keep going. So point one on me, more okay. profitable, larger location, single location, more profitable in theory. Okay, next one. Um, well, let's hold the le- next one for the last. So the next one is less stressful, which is less stressful. Um, and then the third is easily exitable. Let's leave less stressful for last. Okay. So now I want to go to easily exitable. I guess what they mean is value. He's talking valuations. What would a DSO more like more, more want? Okay. Do you want to go first? I have some, I have some thoughts on this. Obviously I have a confirmational bias on this one, which I think you're going to lose this one um, okay. because I gave you a point last one. So I think you're going to lose this one, but I'd like to hear you start. Well, you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much context to um, uh, the valuation because it just depends on what, you know, all, people think DSO just comes with one flavor and there's many different DSOs. There's many, D, there's DSOs that would be interested in your practice because you have a larger, uh, larger footprint mm. and a larger, um, higher top number. So you can't, I think all factors being equal, most DSOs are accustomed to acquiring smaller practices that are scattered around a region. So I think the average DSO um, would like the average model better. And the average model, the, the more regular model is the multiple $1 million practices. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give you the point there, but I think there, I think there are DSOs that are interested in acquiring iconic practices like, uh, you know, the Goldstein Garber Salams of the world. That was one large uh, single practice in Metro Atlanta. Right. Um, and I, I think Heartland is the one who acquired that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think it's as simple as distilling it down to which one kind of thing. But so there's a number, number of factors I think you have to look at bandwidth. Typically in a big, big office, um, let me try and unpack this really slowly. So DSOs or any kind of private equity is looking at you from an investment of upside. No one wants to buy a business that's potentially flatlining, right? So they're looking for upside. They're looking for, can they raise revenues per chair? Can they raise revenues year over year? Can they raise revenues per operator? Whatever it is, provider. Um, and I've seen a lot of times where you sometimes have a group, maybe not dissimilar than mine, where you have some underperforming assets. There may be some upside, maybe some underperforming locations that they may say, hey, we could put some juice here. This one's, this one's the flagship, but here are a couple underproducing. And we really see some upside in our investment because we're only paying based on present day revenues versus someone like yourself. If you're peaking, right? It may be, not only do you have the consolidation of your footprint, but now you have, now you have the fact that they potentially, where is their upside? If you're already operationally so efficient and you're, and you're, you know, you've, you've got a three month waiting period or all that stuff, they may look at that and say, how, how are we going to make more money? Because they've already, they've already done scale. They've already consolidated. There's nothing left to do there other than bringing it up under an umbrella of our large master thing. So I, I think that, um, so the question was, which one's more attractive, right, Craig? 
uh, what's more easily exitable. Yeah. So I think, I think that, I think there is a premium and I, and I would love to ask even Brian Cleo or someone like that. I think there is a, a, there is maybe a a half a point more on turn on your EBITDA from a valuation perspective, just because distribution is everything. If anything, if Amazon has proven anything to us, it's distribution is massive. And that's why they're popping up in all, in all corners because they, they can grow from those. It's a pod, it's a seed, they can grow. So I would say that from a, from a, from that vantage point, it's better to be distributed. Um, and also you're not vulnerable in one geographic location, meaning let's say that all of a sudden Del Rey turns to a shit show of a city, right? Oh yeah, tornado. A tornado, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so versus, you know, you, so you, you are, you are, you take yours down and all of a sudden everything goes to just get hell, hell in a handbasket versus there's diversification in multiple locations. You know, mine are widespread apart. They're 10 miles apart. They're geographically different. You know, every town has its own little kind of thing. Um, and so I feel like I'm a little more insulated to the hurric- the economic hurricanes and that, you know, or maybe there's riots in Delray or something, who knows, you know, you never know. And, and um, so I think there's some advantages with, diverse geographic diversification all right new for 2021 we want to invite everyone listening to join us on our private network it's free to join join the conversation at bulletproof.dental you can even download it in the app store just look for the mighty network app and you can download it there but just point your browser to bulletproof.dental and join and sign up and start collaborating on um, some of the ideas we discuss on the podcast. Um, there's content there to download, and um, it's all designed to help grow and stimulate us together. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's talk about the pros and cons of each model, the fourth question that they asked. asked. So I'll start off. Okay. So, so the, the pros of a single location, obviously, are you don't, you, you have some operational efficiency as far as team, um, supplies, and um, machinery equipment. You know, like we said, you don't need three uh, cone beams or five cone beams, you just need one. Uh, I also think that it's easier to manage one, you know, and this is, well, let me, uh, I got to be careful what I say. If you're a great leader, Having only your people under one roof will make things easier for you. 100%. If you are not a great leader, having all your people spread over five locations will make it easier for you. (laughs) Okay. That's really important. I I want to say that one more time. If you're a great leader, having everybody under one roof will make your life easy. If you're not a great leader, it will be easier to have five smaller teams. I, I would, I would agree with that. I didn't see that coming. I would agree with that, that leader. I, I would say that I have a problem with leadership, um, meaning that I feel like I'm a good leader, but because there's multiple locations, I do hear, you know, it's as soon as I spin one plate or used to, you know, being operationally spinning one plate and he's like, Oh, this is awesome. You know, I'd hear that, Oh, that location is kind of, um, you know, there may be some, some needs over there. And so you can't be in four places at once. And t- to your point, Greg. Yeah, but when you there's certain laws of numbers and people, you know, I, I can't remember. It might be adopted from the military, but I re- recall re- reading something where there's tribes and numbers of twelve. And this is where can I add something here? This is where I think that you can get away with potentially not having as as tight of systems as I do because you're there in the in in the weeds and you're on the field, so to speak. 
and I have to rely on systems and protocols and, you know, and, and dental, you know, the dental train kind of stuff and making sure that everything's buttoned up because of the fact that we, you know, me and, and the leadership team in my operations can't be all places at once. So, um, so there to have multiple locations, you definitely have to have your stuff buttoned up to remain profitable from a systems perspective. And even well, also like, there's a, there's a common saying that nothing grows like under the, 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 the light of a leader or the light of the owner. I mean, there's something about having leaders and owners present. So if you're presuming that, you know, that there's one owner, one location, 5 million, or one owner, five locations, 1 million, that's different from one or two owners, one location, 5 million, and one or two owners, five locations. One of the things that I think really works well is that I have partners or, or um, alpha doctors in every one of my locations so that I know that there's great leadership going on. Um, in, in all those scenarios. And that was not by mistake. Um, so, so yeah, that's a, that's, there's a lot to unpack on that one. I could keep going, but, um, but I think that, I think that that covers it. And that's why we always hound on the fact that if you are looking, if you are a dentist listing this and you're saying my dream one day is to have multiple locations, because that seemed to have been, been the narrative that we heard from someone, Craig, and you push back. I love when you push back on people. It's like, why, why do you want that? I don't know. I heard that. That was what, well, that was what private answer. equity wants. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's why it's so important. If you are thinking that, that one day you just want to be multiple practice owner, because that's the badge you want to wear, make sure you become a student of systems and operations and creating protocols and, and really getting, you know, operating, um, as much like a quote unquote chain as you can, like a Houston's kind of thing where, you know, the experience is going to be consistent. You know, the process are consistent, you know, that, you know, you're able to take advantage of brand at scale, all these things. You want to make sure that your flagship is running like the first version before you go to operational number one. And we've touched on this so many times is that we see what happens is you got a great practice and then you all of a sudden say, Hey, I'm pretty good at this one practice. Let me go ahead and open two. And you forget about the fact that you can't be in two places at one time. And now practice two is being paid for by the profits of practice one. And, and, then, and then you, you open say, up practice three, practice three. And, and all of a sudden, and yeah. They all yeah. fail. And yeah. what do you do then, Peter? You, you start doing dental consulting. Yeah. <laughs> so let's rewind the timeline. You have one. You're awesome because <laughs> you're the rock star. You say, oh, my God, well, there's an old location oh over here. God. Oh, my God. That doesn't work well. And then, yep, that's true. Craig, throwing such shade today. Look well, at it's you. just, it's funny, Look but it's kind of true. So, so what are the pros and cons? So what, what are the cons? We'll talk about the pros, you know, and really before we go into the, to the pros and cons, let's, let's uh, put a pin in that one more time, because I have a way that I want to kind of close this all out. Um, and I think it's really important because I do believe, and I'm, I'm reading the comments of Praveen's question on the business of dentistry and there's such certainty in the, in the answers. It's, it's mm-hmm. one, I mean, the, the overwhelming majority are saying one, one mm-hmm. practice with five million. overwhelming majority. Everybody's saying it, just mm-hmm. about everybody's saying it. And in hindsight, Craig, given that we've already talked about this in several times, in hindsight, knowing knowing you and in an ideal world, I should say, not even in hindsight, if I knew that it was going to be a bullish area where I knew it was going to be great growth and great demographics and great all this stuff, and I knew that was going to be the place, then I would have built a colossal practice like yours, probably in hindsight. But in Atlanta, people don't travel outside of a five to three mile radius. Um, they just don't do it. And so there's limited, there was limited amounts of, of growth that I was going to experience at, at said location. And so I had to go where the people's 
where into the into the communities in which I wanted to grow versus the other way around. And I think people will travel more to you. So because people are more accustomed, maybe in Florida, maybe Delray can support. I don't know. Well, but I, that was my that was my that was my thesis um, in 2005. Uh, and I think that the, the problem and the reason why people are resorting to Facebook to ask questions like this and listen to each other. And, and we're all in our own echo chambers of, of our of our so-called dental expertise. It reminds me of the Richard Frame, uh, Feynman quote. Um, Naval, I was listening to something from Naval on a podcast, and he said he listened to this quote when he was nine years old. He never forgot it. And Richard Freeman said, or Feynman rather said, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. Mm-hmm. So we don't know ourselves, and we will, we will take what people say and adopt it and, and hijack that narrative and go down a path and wake up 10 or 15 or 20 years later, like, holy shit, what did I just do? So I think it's really important to know thyself. So when you're, when you're looking at what's more profitable, it's what is going to make you happiest because the ultimate thing, the ultimate bottom line in life is your fulfillment. So I am the type of person, Peter, I love being around tons and tons of people. Mm. So early on in my career, it's just me and my dad and my mom and a couple, you know, assistants, maybe like five or seven people in a room in a box rather. And we'd have a specialist come in on Wednesdays. It was my buddy, Peter Tain from, uh, you know, practices in, in Maine. Awesome guy. Uh, you know, I went to school with him. Just a fun dude. We go out to lunch. We talk about cases. And I realized that on Wednesdays when, when Peter was there, I had more fun. And then we added, you know, Dr. Prusikowski, my endodontist, and he's been with me for all those years. And on de- the days he was there, I realized, oh, I have more fun because I like being around more people. More right. people is more energy for me. It suits me. Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm going with here is know yourself. If you answer this question, what's more profitable, what's more exitable, you're going to have a freaking miserable life because you may have a really, really profitable business or maybe really easily exitable and you'll want to exit immediately. Happiness is building a life and a career that you don't want to exit from. People yeah, that's, that are, the, that's the built to sell book that I encourage everyone right. to read. It's, it's, it's building something in preparation for sale and, distri- and determining the light. It became easier, better, faster, more profitable. And then realizing, wow, you know, why would I sell something that's such a well-oiled machine versus like people want to sell when it's a shit show sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, and then you, you get it okay. right. You get it right. Two things happen. Everybody wants to buy it and you, you know don't want to sell it. You know what I see is, is funny on Facebook groups. This is why I do not visit them on stuff. And even like in that forum you're talking about, um, and I am guilty of this as well, but you know, the eyes see and the ears hear what the brain is looking for. Yeah, confirmational bias. The con- right. And so people are commenting. And that's why I'm trying to have a little authenticity in this conversation with you and like saying you got a point there, point there, whatever. Um, because I'm not trying to I'm not trying to argue in support of what I did, but I think that people in forums like that is that when they have a when they do have a dog in the fight, like, look what I did. It was the right move. And so most people there probably don't have multiple locations to to say. I would say that probably probably as a whole, that that focus group is single location practitioners right yeah. so maybe not the chops to be arguing on behalf of the multi um so i don't know i just think it's funny when you start well i mean that's the power of the internet everybody's an expert yeah. everybody's an expert so <laughs> or, or you know, you're, you're telling your patient what to do like hey well have you ever heard of dr jones i'm like well who's that well he's a chiropractor out of new york city he tells you that you know filling should be placed a certain way or you should take out this root canal tooth because it's meridian violation. So everybody's an expert. But um, I had this conversation. I had um, Jennifer Perna visiting me the other day. Uh, she's like 
touring around Florida. Wait, but, Yogi? The Yogi, yeah, Yogi dentist? Dennis came over, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, we had such a good time. She's a rock star. She yeah. is a rock star. So she's, she's just kind of, um, she found herself in Florida and like most um, committed learners, what, what she'll do is she'll just go around and see all of her friends and she went mm-hmm. to different practices and, um, you know, she's, she's in Austin and all that stuff. And we just got to talking and she's, I said, a lot of dentists ask me where they should practice. And I always tell people, find out where you want to live, where you ideally want to live, regardless of whether or not the area can support you, you know, I'm sorry, not if the area can support you, I'm sorry, let me retract that. My dad would say this. He'd say, "If you if there's a Cadillac dealer, because that's what that's what was appropriate at the time." He says, "If there's a Cadillac that, that dealer, that was his and, demographic. Yeah, his research. demographic. Now I'd probably say it's a Mercedes Benz dealership. Yeah. But if you love the area mm. and there's a Mercedes Benz or Cadillac dealership within ten miles of that area, you can open up your dental practice and you can do well. I love that we get the competition." So this is Greg, I actually used like points like this, like your father. And so I would do copious amounts of demographic studies. I would use things like you, the Starbucks dentographic. Yeah. And I actually had Kim say, Kim, I want you to take the map of Georgia, an entire map. And I bought a big Georgia map. And I say, I want you to put a pin in every location. There's a Starbucks. And I also want you to do the same for Publix because Publix, that Florida based company has never closed a location. Never. Yeah, of course. So if you can be within, so my think my deal was to be within a couple miles of a Starbucks and right next door to a Publix, and that was that was kind of the extent of my demographic research. Um, but the most important thing for these for the docs that are listening, find out where you want to live. Don't right. open up a place that's going to you to do really really well, and your wife's going to hate it. No, no, Craig. Like, even more importantly, though, I didn't emotionally make a decision. I made the decision based on data driven. So it had to be yes, where you'd want to live if you're the primary provider there, and two right? Is it not just emotional? Like, Hey, I want to live on the beach and you know, you want to live in Miami right now or whatever. And, and there's a zillion dentists potentially, right? There's a crowded, there's a crowded pond. So don't just say, Hey, I want to live on the beach. And then I'm going to open a practice and see what happens. Be very strategic. Is, is there bullish growth in that area? Is yes. there a Starbucks already there, right? What is the trend going on? And do you see yourself living there for the next 20 years, potentially, you know, being happy, raising children and a family, if that's in, in, in the cards, but it's, it's not just, one column, right? It's what you said. And it's what I said. Of course. And a funny thing, and then you have to understand that your area, if your area is good, you also have to not fool yourself to think it's bad. So I remember giving, I probably told you this story a hundred times, but I'll tell it for the, for the podcast listener. I remember giving an Invisalign lecture in, in the West coast of Florida. I had to work a full day and I left the practice at like five 30 and got in kind of, I was being driven by my rep at the time. So he drove me the one and a half hours from East coast to West coast. And I uh, stayed at like some like, you know, Ramada or something like that. But I remember like kind of just having a conversation and uh, having said, oh, we almost there. He's like, yeah, we're almost there. We're like two minutes away. And we passed by a Mercedes, the Benz dealership. And we go into the hotel. And the next day, someone had said in the, in the audience, like, hey, you know, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, Craig, but that you know, the, the, air, the area that I live in doesn't support this, you know, type of thing. You know, 30, I don't remember what it was, 3,500, 4,500 for Invisalign cases. Just the area is not good. I'm like, well, how far do you live from this hotel? She's like, well, literally, right, you know, maybe two minutes. I could walk here. I said, well, you, you, did you see that Mercedes-Benz dealership? That was brand new. So Mercedes-Benz actually thought that this area w- could support buying one of their cars. So if they believe that, then your patients can support um, spending money for Invisalign. And it like, kind of just crushed her in front of the whole audience. But it's a belief system. You have to remember that. It goes back to the quote, you're the easiest to fool. If you believe your area is bad, even though signs show that it's good, you'll never have a good result. Yep. 
Yep. And that gives you an easy button to kind of lay up to like, Oh, I can't really do it here. You know? Um, well, you know, fix versus growth mindset. I'm in the wrong area. I can't do it in this life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that will prove true, right? Whether you, whether you can or you can't, you're, you're right. Um, that's for whether sure. They, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Is what I was trying to say. All right. So the last point, I don't know if that was done with the, if we cover off on the last topics, but there's another point I wanted to bring up in the context of, of multiple of, of this conversation. Are we done? Did we, did we answer the stress part? I know you wanted to say that to last. Yeah, it was just for me what, what you know, is kind of, uh, I'll just kind of reiterate it. It's what makes you happy. Got it. Um, Got it. You know, you have Peter sitting in a room designing a bunch of protocols. He'll have these bouts of, of work and creativity and he can like sit down with a computer and him and bust out a masterpiece in five hours, just him and a screen. Like that is like, that crushes my soul doing that. Like put me in a room with a bunch of people and I'm so happy. Peter gets fatigued. Peter's like, Oh my God, 30 people all like coming to talk to me. Like, I love that. So know thyself because that should predicate your decision. Mm-hmm. So you'll be profitable at what you're good at when you're in flow. It's less stressful. You'll be more exitable because you'll be good at it and you'll like it. So you got to figure what out what you want. And uh, everybody's looking for the one size fits all. No one wants to think and always everybody wants to be told to do. And believe me, there's plenty of people in our industry and in our, in our in consulting that will actually tell you exactly what to do. I would agree. Know thyself, right? And, and that, I think that's a beautiful example is that you, you get, I am an introvert, you know, just knowing yourself. I don't have to go into those examples, but know what charges you up. Um, and, and then double down on that. And you're like, ah, oh, that felt really good today. Let's do more of that and amplify whatever it was. If you felt distracted all day long, then, then you need to figure out a way to not get distracted. If you feel energized by that, then figure out a way to get more energized. So the last thing I want to touch on in this, Craig, which I think is, is a little bit more of an advantage um, if you look, because real estate investing has been a large part of my career from a net worth scenario. I've always loved real estate. Um, and I think that, that this worked out pretty well for me in terms of growing an enterprise. And again, I think it goes back to the diversification in that, um, and that was the question that Michael was asking on, on our network was, you know, put it in the context of real estate investing. From a valuation standpoint, I bet you all of my buildings combined are probably the same value as yours. Maybe there's a little advantage there, who knows, but... But I think, again, it goes back to the diversification. You, if you were to sell your building, you'd have to sell it all in one fail swoop. I could sell one, two, three. There's more flexibility, right? If, I get, if there's riots in one area, my, the, my net worth doesn't go down 30% in one day if it's, if it's riding on that one building. Um, but again, yours is a year easier to manage. You're able to put more in. There's economies of scale, all these things. So... Um, you know, again, I think if you're good at managing property, if you, if, you have, if you have systems in place that can do that, if you're good at finding an area, there's going to be a, uh, you know, I'm using the term bullish again, but if you know that there's a bullish area in 50 miles away from you that's experiencing rocket growth and you can acquire a building and put a practice there potentially and back up your real estate. The other thing that's important to do is, is the outside of, I think dentistry is a beautiful thing and that you can find an area like that, Craig, where the real estate is going up, where you're saying, God, this area is going to take off in the next 10 years, and you know that you want to put a practice in there. Now you have real estate that's backed up with a, a very strong business, your dental practice or a dental practice. But there's also a contingency based on, on if, if um, 
you know, let's say you don't have a business there. It's just a bullish economy in that, in that area that you can also put something in. So I have some, I have some business buildings, Craig, is what I'm saying. I have some buildings that, that I do not occupy as dentistry. Okay. But I only built them based on the fact that potentially it would be a non-cannibalistic area that I could put a dental practice in, in case the tenants that I have there go dark. Make sense? Total. Okay. Yeah. All right. Total. I was just, yeah, I know you've heard this, but I'm letting that, that go into, um, uh, cause I, I remember talking with a lot of people in the beginnings of doing this and, and some real estate investors and they, and they made me have answer these hard questions. What would happen if it went dark? Right. Okay. Well, I'll put a dental office in. Okay, cool. Buy it. Right. Cause you have a, you have a, you have a contingency to put it something in versus a lot of real estate investors don't have businesses that could occupy that. Okay. So, Great talks, man. Great talks. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and the hard part is actually doing the thinking. No one wants to think. Thinking is, an, uh, is, is a waste of calories for most people. So think it out. Think it out. Imagine what your life would look like if you were the owner of five $1 million practices or one $5 million practice. And once you really flesh that out or maybe even put some pen to paper and write out what it would feel like a day in your life, the answer will be readily apparent to you because the worst thing you can do is go jumping on a Facebook post and say, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Wind yeah, up yeah, five, 10 years yeah. later. Don't, don't happy. copy and paste. I know someone else's self. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't copy it. And thou paste this, is it. A, this is a fun. I was actually really looking forward to this. I'm glad we covered it. And, and, and look, we could sit here and, and rap about these things all day, point here, point there, and, and really go into the intricacies. Um, but I, but I love this discussion. And I think, I think we were, were uh, fully, fully calibrated to have this discussion, sure. you and I. Oh, that's for sure. Okay, buddy. All right. Cool, man. Everybody, we'll see you next time. And don't forget, join us online, bulletproof.dental. We're having kick-ass discussions there. Don't miss out. See ya.